I and my brothers wish to welcome you to the house of the Lord on this beautiful Christmas morning. This day that we set aside as family to celebrate this event of that great gift of our Savior and our friend. I trust we've come prepared to receive of that blessing of His Holy Spirit this day as it has already entered in through the talents of these ladies that have played that beautiful music for us, inviting that Spirit to be among us. And I pray that each heart might be blessed this day as we worship our risen Lord. Our scripture reading, call to worship. I'd like to read just a few verses from Luke, the second chapter. Very familiar scripture to all. And Mary brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was none to give room for them in the inns. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, an angel of the Lord appeared unto them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. But the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So we now turn together to hymn 154. Sing this as our opening hymn, 154.
Our God, our eternal Heavenly Father, what a blessed and beautiful day we have today. This day that your children celebrate the gift that you have given us, your Son, Jesus Christ. We recognize this gift today, Heavenly Father. We thank you for him, for what his life means to us, what opportunity he has given to us for eternal life. We thank you for that. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that the gift of your Spirit would be here with us this day, and that you might bless my brother Brad as he brings forth the spoken word this morning. Be with him that he has open mind, that he may recall that which he has prepared, and that you might give him the words to say. And we pray this all and give thanks to you this day. In Christ's name, amen. lucky we are that he uh, came to earth and gave his only begotten son for our sins. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the gifts that you have given us, gift of your love, forgiveness, in spite of our sins, in spite of our humanness. We uh, are so thankful that we have this honor and these feelings when we give back that we might be able to help those that are in need And we receive so much when we do. Again, we thank you for all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Our scripture reading today is taken from the second book of Corinthians, 
chapter 9, verse 15. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Well, I think we could close the service now and we would be ministered to. Thank you so much for um, the music. Um, Sherilyn and um, Jennifer and Susan, I appreciate so much you sharing your talents and the good spirit that um, it has brought to our service today. Good morning. It's um, an honor to be here with you and to wish you a Merry Christmas. I hope that um, all of you have been enjoying already time with your family and your loved ones. There are so many traditions and memories and things that go with Christmas morning. Um, I know <clears throat> as a child, you know, Christmas morning was always one of the most exciting days of the year because it was so fun to wake up and 
find out what um, what fun was in store, what presents were under the tree. And I just remember how hard it was always to go to sleep on Christmas Eve and, and how easy it was to wake up early Christmas morning. You know, and then um, as a parent, you know, there's lots of memories as well of our boys growing up and that same excitement as they would um, be excited to see um, what, what, what the gifts were that particular year. Just last night as we gathered as a family, we, um, Lucas shared um, that his favorite memory of Christmas morning is um, sneaking in to wake mom and dad up early and scaring mom out of her sleep um, and running downstairs to see you know, what was in his stocking and what, what the gifts were. And really, all over the world today, there are people gathering. Um, there are many different types of celebrations, and those celebrations take many different forms. There are many different traditions in uh, many different countries. I was reading about some of them as I prepared for this morning, some interesting ones. In China, which is not a Christian nation, but there is um, a population of Christians, their tradition has become, um, interestingly, to, to eat fried chicken as Christians from Kentucky Fried Chicken. And customers line up and wait in line for hours to get Kentucky Fried Chicken um, to celebrate Christmas Day. And the kids look forward to that. We look forward you know, to family gatherings and to special traditions as well in our family, and I'm sure that you do. And a lot of Christmas in the world um, and, and even in our um, family celebrations revolves around gifting and receiving um, because it's a time of year that we take a lot of joy in giving gifts to those that we love and in receiving gifts from those who love us. And I want to talk a little bit today about the gift, um, both the giver and the receiver, but the special gift that we are celebrating and recognizing on this day. Now, a gift is something that is given um, to someone without a payment. It's a present. It's given not out of obligation, but it's given willingly um, to someone. And whenever a gift is given, there's also a receiver. So the receiver of the gift um, probably and typically would experience love and care, and, and the gift would be a tangible expression of the love or appreciation or respect or admiration from the one who, um, who gave the gift. As a child, it was all about that receiving the gift, right? Um, what did you get for Christmas? That was the fun thing to ask each other um, when we saw our friends when we came back to school after our Christmas break. But as a parent, it's probably more about the giving and the joy that you experience watching a child um, or a loved one open a gift that you have picked out for them that you've thought about and put care into. As we look at um, people who give and the reasons that people give gifts, there are different reasons that people give. Some people give gifts to get gain back. So they give because they think they're going to get something back in return. Some people um, give unconditionally with no expectation of a gift in return. And it's interesting um, in, in reading and researching a little bit about giving gifts um, there is actually a reaction that happens um, both emotionally and physically in our bodies, something about the way that we are made when we give a gift. There's a chemical response um, that takes place in your body as you help someone or you give them a gift. It's not just about doing something nice, but our brain releases chemicals that make us feel better and that make us healthier, and that make us stronger. So serotonin and dopamine and all those things, I don't know what all, what all those things mean. I, know, I don't know anything about really the science of our bodies. But the way we're made is that when we do something for someone, when we give a gift, when we do something nice for someone, there are chemicals released in our brain that help us feel happy and healthier and stronger. And they come from that actual health benefits. Um, people can have lower stress, lower blood pressure, and even have longer lifespans if they are actively involved in doing things for others and giving back. Vanessa shared with me just um, the other day a, um, a study about some of the science behind happiness, why people are, why some people are happy and others are not. And the research 
um, in that in that scientific research shows that people who have a belief system, a faith system, are happier than those who don't. But those who have a, a, a system of belief or a faith are even happier if they exercise that faith, if they are active in doing something to exercise that faith. So if they're practicing their faith, if they are doing good things for others, they're even happier. And and I appreciate Brother Darwin's prayer today when he prayed about how we feel when we're able to give back in the offering plate, when we're able to do something for others. So it's amazing to me when you stop and think about the way that God created us. When he says we're fearfully and wonderfully made, he created us in such a way that we are happier and healthier and stronger when we obey his commandments to love others. The second greatest commandment is to love others as ourselves. And so when we're actively giving and doing to others, and that type of giving that's unconditional, with no expectation of anything in return, we are actually happier. We're made to be obedient to his commandment. Well, let's talk um, for just a minute about the greatest gift, perhaps, that we can contemplate. Because it is the gift that comes um, from our Heavenly Father, from our God in Heaven. And it, and it is um, the gift of grace through our Lord Jesus Christ um, that I would like to talk about today. Now, the New Testament, in the New Testament, the root word for gift is often translated um, in the Bible as grace. And so grace takes on a very special definition because it really means the free and unmerited, unearned, if you will, favor of God. And that unmerited grace, that unmerited favor, that undeserved blessing takes the form of salvation for sinful men and women in the world and it takes the form of of the granting of blessings, the bestowal of blessings upon those who live in his grace. And like all good gifts, it is given freely by our God in heaven. And it's given to all. In the book of Titus, uh, chapter 3, beginning in verse 4. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. So Paul was talking here, and we're going we're gonna to lean on Paul's writings a lot today. And I'm here, he is talking about all of the bad things that go on in the world, all of the um, earthly behaviors. And then he says, but after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be heirs, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So what Paul says here is that it is the grace of our God by which we receive the hope of salvation through Jesus Christ. It's not because of the good works that we've done. In fact, it's in spite of all of the evil and sin that exists in the world. And that despite that, God grants us grace that he sheds on us abundantly, it says. So there's a lot. The blessings are many. And it, and it is purely a gift given um, from the heart of God not from anything that we have earned, according to his mercy. So if you think about it in that perspective, all of God's gifts that he gives to us, the many different forms that God's gifts um, to people, to his people, take, they all reflect his grace. And the fact that they are gifts means that they're free and they can't be earned. You know, I've often um, thought about and, and perhaps, um, and, and I know we all see sometimes the discrepancy, at least on the surface, between the Old Testament 
and the message about adherence to the law and the strict punishments that came with those, uh, with the Mosaic law and the idea of grace and forgiveness that is expressed so much in the New Testament under the new covenant with Jesus Christ. But if you think about the theology of grace, what it means in the New Testament and the message of the New Testament, it really um, is in the same pattern as God exhibited to the house of Israel in the Old Testament. Because in the Old Testament, over and over to his chosen people, God showed grace. He gave help to people who didn't deserve it and oftentimes couldn't even help themselves, and yet he favored them. And it is that same favor that we receive through the New Testament of Jesus Christ and the grace of God, that free gift that's given abundantly, it says, to all. And today we celebrate the appearance of that grace, the appearance of Jesus Christ in the world, the humble way in which he came into the world, and yet such a great and marvelous gift to each and every one of us. Because in our Lord and Savior, in Jesus Christ, we find God's greatest gift to his creation, the gift of salvation through his only begotten Son. So I'm going to read um, from Romans chapter 5 now. Um, And if you have your scriptures, we're going to read quite a few verses from this chapter. You might want to open. But Paul has a lot to say about grace. Um, and, And in fact, we'll talk a little bit about this, but Paul's Life and his story is a great example of the grace of God and how it can change someone. Beginning in chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So because of our faith and through Jesus Christ, it says we have access to this grace. So it's given to all, not just to some, but it's given to all of God's creation. And then in verse 5, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So Paul says, think about your own life. Would you lay down your life for a bad person? Probably not, right, is what Paul's saying. And maybe you might think about doing that for a righteous person, for a good person. Would you lay down your life for someone who you thought was perhaps deserving of that? And yet here is God who sent his only begotten son to die for a world full of sinners. Because we know that from the beginning, from the very time of Adam, that men fell and God's creation became in a fallen state and sinful And yet, God sent his only begotten son to die. And that is his grace. In verse 14, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned, after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. For I say that through the offense is not as the free gift, for the gift aboundeth. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace hath abounded by one man, Jesus Christ, unto many. So sometimes Paul's language is a little um, complex and hard to understand. But basically what, what Paul is saying is that from the time of Adam, men, death reigned over God's creation because of the choice that was made to sin and to be disobedient to God. But even by that death that came from one man's disobedience, from one man's gift, and that is um, Jesus Christ, much more grace is given by God. 
So death came by one, but then there was this amazing gift of grace, the grace of God. And that gift, by grace, Paul says, has abounded by one man, Jesus Christ, unto many. So that is God's plan of salvation and the, and the gifts that we recognize and celebrate. <clears throat> For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, this is in verse 17, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign throughout righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So the answer to this sinful world that we live in is the grace the gift of God through his son, Jesus Christ, that we celebrate even today on Christmas Day. So as we talk about being a giver and a receiver, I would challenge you today on Christmas Day to be a receiver, to receive God's grace, that undeserved, unmerited expression of his love, through his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. In Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 7, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So it's a gift that's given to every single one of us, the gift of Jesus Christ, through the grace of God. In Second Nephi chapter 7, verse 42, And remember that after ye are reconciled unto God, that it is only in and through the grace of God that ye are saved. So it's this undeserved, unmerited gift that brings us salvation, that brings us hope um, in this lifetime. And remember that the scriptures don't say that some or a few receive this gift, but it's given to all. And it's not given just to those who are worthy. In fact, it's given for all. And it's a free gift that is indescribably wonderful, um, as we read in our scripture reading this morning. So today, it doesn't matter where you are in this life. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. We all have troubles. We all have things that drag us down. The gift of grace is here for you. It's available for you to receive because God sent his only son into the world for each and every one of us. I would like to read um, a testimony this morning that I, um, that I found that is a testimony of God's grace. That Friday in 2009 started like any other. Over the past several months, I had developed a routine I'd stay in my darkened bedroom as long as possible. When I gathered up enough energy, I'd scan the classifieds for jobs. There were none. Then I'd sit immobile for hours, staring at the wall, consumed by anxiety. Most days, that's as far as I got. Walking to the mailbox took all of my energy when I could force myself to do it. The yard went unmowed. I rarely took out the trash. This fog of depression had begun to descend in late 2008. When the economy failed, so did my business. My media company tanked almost overnight, taking with it every penny I had saved. Then my wife filed for divorce. It had been a long time coming, but I was still devastated. Everything had converged like a multi-car pileup on the highway. In just a few weeks, I'd gone from a respected communications entrepreneur and a married man to an unemployed divorcee drifting along without direction or purpose. Now, six months after my divorce, I'd reached rock bottom. I hadn't been able to find any work since shuttering my business. I was hopeless, and I was down on myself. God seemed to be teaching me a harsh lesson for every mistake I had made, showing me that I I should have been a better husband, a better businessman, a better man. How could he possibly love a man like me, 
Sometimes the cruel thoughts became so overpowering that I would consider the ways I could leave this earth altogether and maybe stop the pain. Sleep had become the best escape from my torment, and it didn't come often. However, that Friday I was exhausted by the afternoon. I lay down in bed and closed my eyes. Unusually peaceful, with no tossing or turning, I drifted off. What happened next wasn't a dream. I was in another realm, unearthly but calming. I found myself in a man's arms. He was seated on a big rock, holding me as if I were a child. There was no verbal exchange, for none was necessary. We were completely at peace together. He rocked me gently and stroked my arm. I'd never felt so content. Finally, some rest, I thought. It felt so good to not be sad. Then there was an abrupt but calming revelation. It's Jesus. This man is Jesus. There was no time, space, or dimension to this place. My focus shifted as Jesus reached down to the ground and picked up a large flat object. I recognized it as a piece of natural slate, one that might be written on with a stick of chalk. With his palm and forearm, Jesus reached to one side of the slate and made a slow, smooth, purposeful motion across it, as if he were wiping it clean. Still no words, just complete tranquility, I understood. A clean slate. Forgiven. All the cruel thoughts I'd had about myself, all the shame I had felt over my failed business, the debts that remained to be paid, all of my shortcomings that had led to the failure of my marriage, none of it made me less redeemable in the eyes of God. I could leave the weight of the past behind and start anew. I had lost sight of that truth, but here it was presented to me with utter clarity. I woke up, and while the image of Jesus faded, the feeling did not. I was at peace, a peace I'd never before experienced. It was as if something inside me, something that had been cracked and broken, had been repaired. Although my circumstances didn't change overnight, my outlook on life did. The depression eased. Over time, as I contemplated the experience, the boulder of shame was lifted from my shoulders. I reclaimed my identity and sense of purpose in life. I forged a new path in my career and repaid my debts. It took me five years to tell anyone about what I had experienced in my dream that Friday afternoon. It had been so genuine and so authentic that I felt it might be diminished if I shared it. I didn't know how I could find the words. They all seemed so inadequate. So it took even longer to put the experience down on paper. And even if I'm not able to completely describe what happened, mine is a story that must be shared. Because it's a reminder that God loves us unconditionally, even when we aren't able to love ourselves. And so that is a testimony of the undeserved merit, the undeserved grace of our God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And no matter what's happening in your life today, no matter what cares or burdens that you bring to this place, even this day, he can wipe that slate clean for you because he provides the gift of grace through the, the salvation of Jesus Christ. You know, we've read um, from Paul's writings this morning, and Paul himself is another great testimony of the impact of grace on a believer's life. In, in the first chapter, the first verse of the book of Romans, Paul, Paul describes himself this way. Paul, an apostle, a servant of God, called of Jesus Christ, and separated to preach the gospel. Think about the change that that represents in Paul's life. In that very simple statement, that very simple way of describing himself, he's testifying about what the grace of God has brought in his life. First, his name is Paul. It's no longer Saul. Remember that he changed his name after his conversion, his experience on the road to Damascus. The word Paul translates as little, contrasting himself to the greatness of his God. Second, God's grace impacted Paul's behavior. He describes himself as a servant of God. He's no longer a servant of the Roman Empire. 
He is now known for charity and kindness and concern for others instead of being known for hatred and persecution as he was before. Third, grace gave Paul a calling in his life. A call of Jesus Christ, he described himself. God saved Paul through his grace and then called him to go and share that same grace with the world. And finally, the grace of God brought about consecration. Paul says he was separated to preach the gospel. Through the sacrifice of Jesus, Paul is now his. He is now God's, and he is set apart to serve him. So as we think about this Christmas day that we are gathered here this morning and remember the birth of Jesus Christ, even the appearance of the grace of God, I would challenge you to be a receiver. Receive the gift of God's grace and his mercy and his compassion. Receive the wonderful, amazing gift of salvation through the appearance of his son, Jesus Christ. The wonderful, remarkable gift that is provided to all of us. And like the man in our story who was so depressed, your life can be transformed. And just like Paul, your life can be changed and impacted by the grace of God. Your self-awareness, your image, your behavior, your activity, your calling to serve, and even the consecration of your time and your talents and your abilities, all are subject to the impact of the amazing grace of God that comes to us through the appearance of Jesus Christ that gift that we celebrate this Christmas Day and every Christmas Day. And I would challenge you, even as you are a receiver of God's grace, that you would also be a giver. Paul says in 1 Corinthians that he is who he is because of the grace of God. And as we receive God's greatest gift, we should respond to his call to be givers also. In Romans um, chapter 6, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So just because we receive this grace of gift, should we, or this gift of grace, should we allow sin to reign in our lives? No, it says. We should be about living righteously and about giving back and sharing that, that gift of grace with others. In the book of James, uh, chapter 1, <clears throat> pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the vices of the world. So even as Paul says, we should not abide in sin, we are reminded that pure religion is really two things, keeping ourselves free from that sin and vice of the world. But first, it's also about taking care of others, visiting the fatherless and widows in their affliction. That means that we're taking care of others. We're doing good. We are giving back some of that wonderful free gift that we are given so graciously and generously from our God in heaven. So remember we talked about there are different kinds of givers and people have different motivations for giving. We are made and created to be givers and doers and helpers. To reach out a helping hand and to show the mercy and grace that we have all received to the people that we encounter in our lives, to take care of God's precious children and to feed his sheep. Do you remember the two greatest commandments, that we love our God with all of our heart and might and mind and strength? And second, that we love our neighbors as ourselves. And in serving others, in meeting others' needs, in giving grace back to those that we encounter in our lives, we are fulfilling that commandment. And do you remember in Matthew the parable 
about the end times of the sheep and the goats. It talks about how we will all be divided and how our lives will be judged when we stand before the judgment bar of God. And he divides the people into the goats and the sheep. And do you remember the difference? The sheep were those who helped others in need. Who saw someone hungry and gave them food. Who saw someone naked and gave them clothes. Because when we do it unto them, we do it unto our God. So today as you celebrate with your families and your loved ones and your friends and you contemplate and enjoy both the giving and receiving aspects of Christmas, it's fun to give a gift and it's fun to receive. I would challenge you to recognize the greatest gift in our lives, the abundant grace of God through the gift of the Son, Jesus Christ. And act on the opportunity and the calling to give back as you receive that unspeakable gift that you would also be about giving and sharing that with the world around us. Because we live in a world that is in such great need of the grace that we all enjoy and that hope of salvation that we all have and that we celebrate this Christmas Day through the gift of Jesus Christ. now use hymn 147 to close our service. And I wish each and every one of you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. 147.
Our Father, our God, in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, we draw a close to this service, this time of worship and remembrance and praise and adoration. Lord, we give you thanks for the gift, the greatest gift of all, the gift of salvation through your Son. And as uh, we reflect upon our lives and we uh, see the life in which uh, our Savior lived, Help us to learn to receive the gift of grace, that we might use it for good, that it might soften our heart and lighten our minds, that we might find that we too might share that grace, that we might learn to give freely, unwantingly, without any return, that we might do so, Lord, that we might help us to be a light into the world as we carry the light of your Son, Jesus Christ, in our heart. I pray a blessing upon each that are gathered here and each that had desire to be here but unable to, that are in their homes that are unable to join us, Lord. Won't you bless them and comfort them? And as many of our friends and saints alike have uh, found themselves lonely in the time of loss, I pray that that good spirit would accompany them, that great comforter would bring them that peace that only comes from above, that can mend a broken heart. Won't you be with each home and bless them? Let us always remember, Lord, that we have opportunity to receive, that uh, you might work in and through our life in those miraculous ways that we know not. Help us to uh, have, have understanding that uh, your love abounds all these trials of life. We ask all these blessings and uh, your favor upon us as we, we leave now. May safety be with each. We would pray in the name of thy son, Jesus Christ. Amen.